Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, all right, all right. What's going on, everybody? This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 242. Uh, really excited for this conversation. It's been somebody that was introduced to me by, I believe, Tommy Sammons. I've seen him on quite a few other people's podcasts and really enjoyed everything he's had to say, the insights and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I won't keep you guys in this portion of the show too long. Make sure you go hit all the links below to figure out what I got going on, where you can find me and all the uh, other cool stuff. And uh, yeah, with all that, let's go. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical, and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome LB Muniz. Hopefully I said that correctly. How you doing, dude? Doing well, Kyle. How about yourself? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I want to tell you while we were live on show, I was watching a uh, episode of uh, you on Jose Gallas on show. And I got to say, you look a little bit healthier from then to now, like you lost a little bit of weight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've weight's always been an issue for me, but no, since like kind of towards the, the holidays last year got me bad mm-hmm. and I was having a lot of issues like digestional issues, not to get too into the nitty gritty. So sure. started to eat a little cleaner and be a little more conscious of it. And yeah, dropped dropped like 20 pounds. So got plenty got plenty more to lose but it's it yeah definitely uh, yeah i notice it too when i look back at old stuff it's like holy cow <laughs> yeah i <laughs> mean COVID for me it was no joke oh yeah that, what do they say uh the covid 20 or something like that yeah um, yeah for me i i got super lean throughout like 2020 and up until probably about a year ago and uh for me it was kind of a problem of just like not eating enough and then you know i would I recognize those patterns from when I was like on the carnivore diet and I would just binge. And then I'm like, I think it's time that I need to put on a few pounds and just kind of like enjoy food for a little bit rather than just being, I don't say orthorexic, but walking your way towards there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I travel a lot for my, for my job. So eating well on the road is a tough thing for anybody who, anybody right. who lives that life, they understand. And then I have, um, I noticed I, you know, cause I know this is part of your show, but I noticed I had this psychological thing where I would, I would fill, I, I would fill the void with food a lot of times. And it was yeah. like really coming to terms with that. I was like, no, you literally are just ordering, t- you know, two dinners because you're sitting in a hotel board all night. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, so that was, so kind of breaking that cycle was, was a huge thing. So it's been, yeah, it's, I mean, I, you know, like I said, plenty more to lose, but it feels, it feels good to be not as heavy as I was. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, absolutely. And I, I definitely empathize with you because I was a uh, 270 or 250 at one point. And right now I'm around like 210, but like at my leanest, I was like 180. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I lost quite a bit of weight and it, it 
uh, I'm sure you know just as well as I do that it, it feels like the whole weight of the world's off your shoulders. But uh, n- not to dive too too much into that unless you kind of want to dive into that. But uh, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the post libertarian moment because it's like we're like two maybe even three years out from this whole deal, and um, it, it seems like it just kind of went away without like a lot of talk about it. But it really fascinated me, and I want to say it was like Pete who really changed my mind on a lot of stuff and like the way that I look at politics. So I'm just kind of curious about your thoughts, kind of looking back, and then obviously kind of where you got because I know you wrote a huge essay on it that I read and I thought was absolutely fantastic. So yeah, just kind of like your you. thoughts looking back at it. Yeah, and if anybody wants to read that, you can go to postlibertarianmoment.com. That'll take you to the Substack post that's got um that's got the PDF to download and links to all the original uh, links to all the chapters that I published on my Substack and then a few of the episodes that I did talking about it. So, I you know, I was very much I very much came up in this online libertarian space and like a lot of people in 2020 when the world changed, you kind of felt like you had, I felt like I had a, a message to get out there. And I've had, I had a previous project uh, before beenawake.com that I had run with some people. So I had kind of tried the podcasting thing before, and then it kind of fizzled out when I got the job that I still have now uh, because, you know, just took up too much time. And so, but then like 2020 happened, I feel like I had to, I had to do it if only for myself, um, you know, uh, having conversations and having debates and things like that is just as, just as much a muscle as anything else's. It takes right. practice. And I noticed in my own day to day, like, I, like people were one upping me that wouldn't one up me in the past. So <laughs> I kind of had, so I was like, I gotta, I gotta start this thing. And I was, when I tell you, I was literally kind of thrown into the mix of whatever became what, what eventually I tried to coin as the post, as the post libertarian moment, um, I literally got thrown into the middle of it. I mean, and I was definitely one of those people that said there's nothing wrong with the libertarian ideology. It's perfect. It's true. It's all these things. And, you know, by talking with guys, talking to guys like Pete, guys like Mark, guys like um, Matt and Andrew and Buck and a few of the other ones and just kind of getting and Tommy and just kind of getting thrown into that milieu it gave get, and plus everything that happened in 2020 with, uh, you know, that, that we all experienced it it reshaped my frame for for the political lens and the importance of politics and to what extent to what extent are we all just are we all just um engaging in delusion or are we actually trying to get or are we actually trying to get somewhere so i mean what's funny is you know just a couple of weeks ago dave smith released his comedy special and i think he, right before that he posted in the mises caucus group that he's not running for president and so i think a lot of the a lot of the insights that came about during that time period i think a lot of people now probably agree with more but they don't really want to talk about it um, <laughs> publicly about it and the reality is a lot of us that were kind of that were kind of ringing the bell at that time i think we all just not that we all just kind of went a different direction and we went our different ways and there was um you know things can get lost in the vitriol of twitter now x but there was never it was never from the stand it was rarely from the standpoint of like these people are awful and they need to and they need to the they need to stop you know i mean i've i've i'm certainly guilty of taking some shots in the heat of in the heat of rhetoric and during that time as well but it it came from a love of a love of the ideas like you know from the austrian school in particular for me and a love for a lot of the people involved as well and also the people in the broader movement because say what you will like i don't 
I don't I don't necessarily call myself a libertarian, but if you talk to most people, they'll still call me a libertarian. And if you were to put me in and if you were to, you know, have me do the I side with and like, you know, from an economic perspective, it's still largely what I believe, what I've what I kind of shed was the last vestiges of the cult of American democracy, which is a which is a concept I like to explore in my and on my show. And that, that was really what it is. And kind of taking taking a fresh look at politics, incorporating, you know, in a broader sense, incorporating some ideas from elite theory and just and and really and really just saying the things that we were all saying before, which is like democracy sucks. It's not going to set you free. Mm-hmm. And so why are we engaged in this democratic process in a third party that's never going to amount to anything? I think I think we've largely been vindicated. Uh, you know, to the extent that there was a cadre of people talking about those things. And um, certainly I feel like the whole, the whole, there's been a huge shift in the way a lot of people talk about it. And sometimes, and so, yeah, we can, we can kind of, we can kind of dive into that a little bit more, but I think, I think from the the, the headline is we were, we were pretty much right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like there it, for whatever, what people want to say about Millier in, um, in Argentina, like, yeah, okay. That's a country of, I don't even know what, 10 million, maybe 6 million. Like it's not a large country. It's, it's a large country for South America, but the equivalency would be somebody like that running for, you know, to, to run all the countries in South America. And that's what we really have to deal with in the United States. And that's, so there's reasons why somebody like that can be popular in a country in that country. And, you know, and, and, and why it wouldn't be, and and why, why it can't happen here the way it's happening. Right. Yeah. The whole thing kind of fascinated me because like there was a camp of, um, stop being poor. Right. Which was Mm -hmm. always kind of funny, like tongue in cheek, but at the same time, um, it was more of like an inward focus. Like you should do more for yourself. And this is what was so appealing to me is because, you know, me being the health and fitness guy, um, (laughs) if you go to any libertarian event, you can see there's a clear lack of that. So, you know, part of the goal of the show was obviously to bring some of that to that, but like the post libertarians seem to have incorporated that and only like just, you know, your wealth, but like I said, your whole your holistic being, which mm-hmm. to me seems really important. And especially like if you want to be a leader, especially when it comes to politics, um, I really do think that the only way you can kind of spread these ideas is to be a leader and to actually be like somebody worth, you know, being someone influential, which right. Once again, not a lot of people who are in the Libertarian Party are. And, and I love these people, but like, you know, you should aspire to be something more so that way people recognize you as like an example. Right. Well, and I think that was something I always just believed intuitively. And I didn't I didn't quite understand how other people um, didn't have that same sort of vision. Like I spent a number of years bouncing around different not not working, but like kind of going to events and networking with people in different nonprofits, different student groups and things like that. And that was like a very different and that's like a very different thing because it's usually within the context of being a student. So it's kind of like you phase out at some point. And then you have the people who kind of stay in it and then the people who continue on. And I mean, I was I mean, I, I definitely wrote an article about stop being poor. Um, you can go read it up in wake. I think it holds up. Um, yeah. And I think that was I think there that was something that I was not really attuned to, maybe just because of the people that I would spend time with is like that's always been that's always been something for me is um, it, is personal growth. And, and not necessarily I'm not like I'm not like one of these guys that can travel all over the place, but I'm comfortable you know, and I make a, and I earn a, I earn a decent living because of, you know, because of the steps that I, that I put into place. And the fact that I, you know, the fact that other people weren't, weren't doing the same thing shocked me. It really did. It really shocked me. And the way people would react against that thing shocked me as well. And that was part of the, um, one thing that makes me different from a lot of content creators 
is while I have things I want to talk about, I also listen. And my my philosophical background, even before I even before I had discovered the the libertarian political ideology, my my my, my background is in philosophy and specifically skepticism. So it's putting doubt before assent. It's saying no before you say yes, and it's really doing a critical examination of things to make sure you understand things fully. So when people who seem pretty intelligent are saying something that I disagree with, I don't, my immediate knee-jerk reaction, which is the case in politics, and some of that's influenced by the cults of American democracy, isn't to just say, well, this is my point, right? That's kind of, it's like this chorus that we all take part in, and then we all, and then the same people end up getting elected and the same bad things keep on happening. But we all got to have our voice, right? And that, that's, that's, some, that's, all that, that's all that most people really want. And that really led me to just kind of walking down this path where like, you know, I would even put anarchism as a democratic ideology. I don't think anarchism is a system. I know the anarchists would say it's not a system, but people we're, we're, we're systematizing creatures. So like there's nuance here, right. but even that is like part of this larger cult of democracy where it's like, well, you know, what, what's your answer? So, you know, you walk up to somebody and you say, well, what's your answer for the perfect form of government? And you say, my answer is none. It's like that's still you're still playing you're still playing within the same within the same game that everybody else is playing and you just you're just you know you're just singing something in a different key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I remember a uh, funny enough I used to go to uh, lunch and like breakfast with a, a socialist friend of mine who's like a, a complete opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to a lot of like the government stuff and he uh, he basically told me and, and it kind of stuck with me a little bit that like okay well if you have anarchism right then you're eventually going to get to the point of just like another smaller form of government, which really isn't entirely untrue. I mean, you're going to have some kind of governing body within a community, whether that be, you know, family or, you know, private courts, a mayor or something like that, even on private roads and stuff like that. But, you know, at some point, you're still going to have some kind of system where there's going to be some kind of authority. And a lot of this kind of came, made a lot of sense to me, like the whole post-libertarian moment really, like the nail got put in the coffin was when um, people were asking for money to go out to go, you know, to go to Reno. Sure. And yeah, fortunately that year I was going to go get married um, that November and they were asking me to go. And I'm like, look, <laughs> if you have to ask me between going to like a libertarian event and going and getting married. I'm sorry. Like I, I know which one I'd choose. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, clearly the libertarian event. But, yeah, right. Yes, like, yes, yes. <laughs> well, I, I didn't have any. <laughs> right. <laughs> or uh, I didn't have like any more vacation time. But even at that, I'm like, do I really want to go spend all that time out there and do that? Like, I, there's so many other things I want to do. And I already did that. You know, I went to the PA convention, recruited. But then like now looking back at it, I'm like, well, what could I have done with the same amount of time and effort? Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, and you know, like, and you know, and some people that, you know, the diehards who might listen to this would be like, well, what are you guys doing? You're just talking. It's like, yes, but you're watching an hour and a two hour conversation out of the however many hours are in a week, you know, or at least the 24 hours in a day. And I can, I can recall specifically where I was, I was doing, I was doing some organizing here in Illinois at the beginning of this, um, and kind of the beginning of this process. And so that's where it's like, you know, you can go back and you can kind of see the change in my thinking in, in, in this regard, certainly. But <clears throat> I was sitting, I went to, it was things that just started opening back up and I went to a trade show for my industry and, and I was just sitting there and I think it was like the same, same weekend as or same days as like another convention or something like that somewhere else. And I can remember having a moment where I'm sitting there looking at this and I'm like, 
if I spend the time that I'm spending outside of this on this, then I can continue to grow and I continue, I can continue to be in a position to take care of myself and a position to take care of other people. And insofar as I'm concerned with liberty, that's the liberty I'm concerned with today. Uh, you know, there's this there's this tendency whenever you get into democratic politics to just to that we have to cast a wide net. Mm-hmm. And there's obvi- there's there's obviously incent- an incentive structure in place to do that. But it, it you know, it's just it's not a scalable thing in, in many regards or to or better said, to the point that it gets becomes scalable is you have to water down a message so much that it loses all meaning from where it was. Mm-hmm. I mean. The movement that I the movement that I kind of got caught in a groundswell of in the app in the aftermath of the 2012 um, the 2012 election was is not the same thing that exists today. And in some respects, that's not a problem. But I think there was an immediate scaling issue to this Ron Paul Rothbardian tradition of libertarianism Mm -hmm. that occurred that the more popular you made the message, the, the less likely it was that people were really going to understand what it's about. Moreover, suddenly when you're joining the LP, you're talking to all these people that are like, that's not even a libertarian position as far as I understand the word. Right. And I, and what's what's I think very interesting about it from like, a you know, if we're going to kind of break it down, a postmortem on it is like there's a microcosm in the LP to the broader American population where, you know, for however we might want to define these terms, there's this distinction between left wing people and right wing people and certain attitudes that people have towards uh, you know, towards uh, towards the other, towards government policy, towards the the rhetoric that you use. There's these there's all these different attitudes that I think are that live at like the temperamental level. I think some of it is just who people are. Right. right. And so like there's this microcosm where it's like, it, why am I fighting? Why am I fighting somebody who calls themselves a libertarian socialist for power over something that won't that won't actually turn into anything concrete when I can just go and again, if I want to be political, right, like there's there, there's, that's the caveat. And that's what I talk about in the post libertarian moment is whereas if I actually want to be a, a full political creature and not just a commentator and a writer as I am is, well, no, why do, I can listen. I don't necessarily love everything that a super Trump MAGA person says, but I know for a fact I can get along better with those people than I can with the incredibly moralistic left wing progressives that you run into today. And I know right off the bat, the message that I'm bringing is going to resonate with those with the former more than it's going to resonate with the latter. (laughs) So if my role is to be a leader of liberty, right, is to hold is to be a torchbearer. Well, then I should go where my message is going to be heard more, not try and fight for something, not, not try and fight people who already who fundamentally disagree with me as it is, and then not win an election. Because because, again, like I like, you know, I'll talk about the problems of democracy all day. But one of the things that that I've realized is like, yeah, but this but this is this. But this this is the way that this is the die like the die's already been cast. Right. Like you can't you can't change. We're not really going to change things in a groundswell 51 percent movement. So then how do you actually how do you actually go about securing liberty in a generalized sense? Well, you start with you have to start with yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if because because guess what? That's how everybody got rights to begin with anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, at least at least historically speaking, until we had mass democracy in the late 21st century is like, you know, the reason why the merchants started to the merchants started to get more rights was because the the noblemen 
you know, the noblemen weren't making as much money as them. And I know this is an oversimplified story of history, but the reason why the noblemen got rights to begin with and light rights and privileges was because a, the King couldn't manage everything and B because they had enough money and land and people to cause, to cause like whatever person had controlled a geographic territory, you know, to cause them trouble. So, Hey, you can have this area, this can be yours, but just, you know, everything is really mine, but this is going to be, it's like, this is the same song and dance we've been doing as a species over, over, over millennia. So like, what are we really? So, so that's why to the extent that I still think individualism is, is a worthy idea to talk about and to promote it's, it's, it's in the sense that as an individual, you need to make yourself somebody worth following. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there's more we can break down about it, but I, but I think that's the positive message. And, you know, whether that's financial, whether that's health related, it's, without without that you have you really don't have anything and i think as you speaking personally like as i moved into my late 20s and now i'm you know in my early 30s as i re you really start to recognize that more like you start to see that stratification and people that you used to hang out with and the guy that's still the guy that's still just doing the same thing and you know and then the guys that are thriving right and so it's like well okay i'm going to look at what the people who are really successful are doing and try to mimic those and, and incorporate that as best I'm able. Turns out not a lot of them are arguing theory online. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny. Um, I completely agree with that because there are some guys that kind of butt up against me for not being like the most well-read theory guy. And I'll be the first one to admit that like I don't read that stuff. But mm -hmm. like for me, it's kind of like you said at the tail end there, success kind of leaves clues. And this is kind of like the way that I built my career in the automotive field is that like, I looked at the guys that I worked with that were like the top earners and the guys that made all the money. I'm like, okay, well, what did they do to become that guy? And whatever they did, I'm going to do the same thing. And that doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily guarantee my success, but at least says like, Hey, if you follow their footsteps and it doesn't mess or, you know, if it doesn't pan out for you, then it might just be you, but at least if you do all those steps and you know that you did everything that you possibly could outside of yourself to kind of put yourself in a good position and, you know, lo and behold, it did well for me. But I think that's kind of like that goes to a broader point that like you want to look at successful people and kind of not necessarily model their behaviors, but kind of take note of what they're doing and, you know, try and see what those behaviors, how those behaviors can apply for you. Well, right. And like you could say, oh, well, then why are you out here talking about ideas? Well, because that's always been something I loved. Like I came from an <laughs> academic, I came from a more academic background. I was, I, I, I almost went to grad school. I'm very, I'm very happy to be making way more money than I'd be making as like a, some adjunct professor somewhere that I would be at this age. Um, you know, and I still, and, and, and guess what? I still have the opportunity to talk about ideas with people and to publish things on my own time. And that's like the great thing about where we live. And like, you know, I get to, I get to spend my, you know, what excess income I have on like cool lights and sound equipment and things like, you know, it's, that's, it's always been something I've loved. I've loved radio and I've loved talking about ideas for as long as, for, for as long as I can remember. So it's like, there's still a value to these things. It's, but with everything, it's a question of the ordering. Right. Um, and so that's, so yeah, you know, like, and that's why at the end of the day, if people aren't talking, I don't think, I think if people aren't talking about personal growth in a real way, then you're doing your audience a disservice. And I think that, um, that, 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 uh, that's kind of a jumping off point, I think, to some of the other conversations, other topics you wanted us to get into. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that I threw out there today that was, um, it seemed like people didn't really take it 
poorly like I expected them to. But um, one thing I also wanted to touch on was like, okay, so I think children have positive rights, which is a very unlibertarian thing to say, because like the libertarian platitude would be like, no one has positive rights. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is like, I don't see collectivism as necessarily antithetical to libertarianism or individualism, because like in order to protect individuals, sometimes you may need collective for, you know, violent means of protecting, you know, those who cannot protect themselves. Sure. Well, and I think categorically speaking, that's why the definition of terms is so important in these kinds of conversations. And that's one of the tools you learn in philosophy is how to pro is how to categorize and how to define your terms. So that way people have a clear meaning and all of that's lost in the scrum that is X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it right. now. is, you know, and because everything, because you're, because you're limited by, and that's what makes it so interesting too, because there's so much that relies upon, there's so much that relies upon like a, a, a pre foundation. Right. Yes. Like the same person, the same person posting the same thing to in it, you know, two different people posting the same thing. If you like one of the people and you dislike the other person, you're going to hate what the first person says. You're yeah. going to like what the other person says. And that and that and that just doesn't change. That's just uh, that that's just that's just part of human nature. Um, but and that's what, how I how I squared that circle or how I kind of rationalized is like individualism and collectivism as schools of thought. And that's like, I, this is something that I kind of coined as the pantheonic approach as a way to try and understand ideas. It's not fully fleshed out, but you can kind of follow it around this way. We're like the pantheon, Greek God, the pantheon. So there's a bunch of gods. They all have their own specific, they all have their own uh, niches as it were, but then they're all still gods and they're all still like above humans. So like we can try to do something like that with ideas. So as like a formalized school of thought, individualism and collectivism are just, answers to the same question right of like how should what should be the preferential order of society should it go individual and then collective or should it go collective and then individual at some point over multiple over you know generations and people picking up the ideas and running with them that was really lost in many respects but if you if you were to think carefully about the ideas you would obviously come to that a conclusion so whereas, but you do have people who are like, well, individualism means complete self-autonomy. And if you're not, and if you, you know, unless you're somebody living in the woods by yourself, completely self-sufficient, then you're not a true individualist, right? Like you'll meet people like that. That'll say it. Well, that doesn't sound very fun to me. I'm an extrovert. I love, I have, a, I come from a large family. I've always loved people. I've always loved having a lot of people around. I love to entertain. I love to have, I love to go to events. Like it's, it's, it's part of who I am. And I think it's part of who a lot of us are as people. So it's not so it was never a question. The question itself was never about getting rid of a collective or a group or a tribe. It was about an ordering of society. Should we protect the rights of the individual before the rights of the collective? That was really the, that was that's that was the historical conversation. So I would say like, well, there's that. And then there's the group and the group is always going to exist. The tribe is always going to exist. So if you always need people to, you know, like that's actually one of the criticisms that people would levy against libertarians. Right. It's like you're like a house cat. You think that you're the only thing in this world, but really everything you think everything just works, but everything is actually set out for you in such a way that that the that, you know, everything is set up for your success as, as the case may be. And so, like, that's why libertarians are like cats or something like that. And there's an element to that in the rhetoric when people argue poorly, you know, when you try to argue poorly, a very complex and nuanced idea, <laughs> these kinds of misunderstandings are going to happen. And it turns out, you know, I, th I think I sent this as a tweet the other day, but it's like, if you know how to say dumb things and with a lot of confidence, 
you can actually do really, really well as a media, as a media personality. Absolutely. And I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it time and time again with people who blow up and I'm not trying to talk shit, but I am just, but I am just pointing out something that I've seen <laughs> is, and, and like, and there's, there's, there's a tried and true strategy. That's one of the reasons for Trump's success, for example, right? It's yes. like, and this is part of the thing you have to turn on its head is like, you might come from a school of thought that says, well, the most erudite and uh, the most erudite and articulate argument is the one that should win. So what is this, what is this Neanderthal doing talking at a third grade level at the time? Well, it turns out when you start to study pot, when you start to study intelligence at the population level, it's actually, that actually plays a lot better because it's it gives the message that the most people can understand, right? That's why hope and change, hope and change. Yeah. Nobody give a, nobody gave a crap about Obama's policies. They wanted hope and they wanted to change. They wanted change to happen. They wanted people wanted to make America great again. You know, people wanted to restore the soul of America, right? Which is kind of, which was Biden's thing, which was really just not Trump, but you know, whatever. Right. To the point is that simple <laughs> message. It works for corporations. It works for every. It works for anybody who puts it out. So why should you think that politics is any realm that's different? Mm-hmm. And when you really and here's the thing: the people who are on the inside and the people who run political campaigns, even people who come from a libertarian background, they all recognize this stuff because they actually had to win, right? And I think that's part of the "don't be poor" mentality as well. Is like when everything's just a. And don't get me wrong, I love it. Like I love a long, eloquent conversation about ideas. Where you can try, oh, but what about this? Oh, but what about that? Goes in my head all day, every day. Frankly, sometimes distracts yeah. me from working. But, it, but like, but there's a place for that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm in sales. Like, you got you either made a sale or you didn't. You know, somebody yeah. either bought something or they didn't. There's that clear. And in politics, you either win an elect under democracy. You either win an election or you don't. Right? You either lobbied for for legislation or you didn't. And 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 so when you when you turn something sacred that shouldn't be sacred, like the political process, which is what I think a lot of us do, you're you're hidden from the actual machinations of how the system works. And I think when a lot of people are faced with that, they either become completely disillusioned, so they get out of politics altogether, which God bless you, you know, go have kids, be fruitful and multiply, like, you know, have a nice life, or you kind of become part of the machine. And then there's this like third category, which are like our media people where you can still become part of a machine or you can still, you know, and you can gain a certain level of notoriety because of it. Or you can, you know, cry out in the void and, you know, on the, you know, in the void of YouTube and Twitter. Yeah, I totally get that. Well, and to a point that you were making earlier, um, the one guy that I've had on my show before, Ryan Stone, he has this uh, phrase called container words, where basically like make America great again. And these slogans aren't meant to necessarily have like a concrete definition, because all the people who like those phrases, you know, make America great again, restore the soul of America, or, you know, insert whatever political slogan here is the people who like that politician, they're going to fill that with every single ounce of their hopes and dreams. It's a container phrase right they're Mm -hmm. just going to put what they want in it and they'll argue about it all day and they will swear that's what it means you look at the stuff with trump where people will not acknowledge reality about it but it doesn't matter because he had that bravado and he was able to say he was able to play every side of every issue confidently enough that you know his supporters are going to support him no matter what the people don't like him are going to tear him down no matter what like it doesn't matter what the truth actually was correct and that's always been the case and there's something and and moreover, and the part that I, the point that I think needs to be made more is that there's something about our human nature that's right. a part of that. Yes, right. Like, why, why do you like 
why do you like the people you like? Why do why do I like the 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 pop stars that I like? Well, and most of the time I find them attractive, you know, like that. That's that's a huge element. And then on top of that, I like their talent. Am I listening to the ugly people with a lot of talent? No, like it's just it's sad. I you know it's it's it, you might say it's sad and like yeah, there are people who can kind of push through and can do be so talented that they can they can break the mold and you know be different, but like that's the reality. Like you know, a lot of people can sing, right? Like I'm a singer. Um, you know, a lot of people can sing. A lot of people have that talent. Not everybody ha- is, but not everybody's attractive and not everybody's willing to wake up every day and hustle to the point to the, until they get to the point where they get to sell out, you know, right. like that's, and that's kind of, uh, I don't know. That's, that's, uh, that's just like, again, this is, this is, this is part of, I think the, um, you know, this is part of the message that I try to put out at been awake. And again, kind of my own personal evolution of politics, which is like, all right, we're going to, we're, we're cutting out all the bullshit and we're just going to talk about things in plain terms. And we're not going to, I'm not, I'm not as concerned anymore. This is where like back to the libertarian questions, I'm not as concerned anymore about what my ideal representation of the world is. I'm far more concerned with, uh, you know, an American pragmatism of, doing something that works and what does it take what does it take to win you know and whatever whatever field that is you know politics or otherwise mm-hmm. yeah and there's something interesting about that because i think a lot of people myself included for a long period of time kind of have this idea that like we can only enter politics and engage in politics when it's on like our terms. But the fact is that like, we are a very, very small niche group of people and the same deal with like, and comms and these other kind of fringe ideologies or political beliefs, whatever you want to call them. Um, the political system as it is today is not ever going to be set up for people like us, right? We just kind of have to go in there and engage it as it is, talk about these issues, how how we see them. But, you know, if we want to appeal to a broader mass, and like you said, there's kind of a watering down that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and again, like, and the question is, do you want to win? And, and then again, like, let's just put it in practical terms. Do you want to talk about it? Okay, cool. Like, I like talking about it. That's why I have a show, right? That's why I'm not running for office anywhere. Like, I this yeah. is this is my preferred thing. Could I run for office? Sure. I can give a hell of a speech if I really wanted to. And frankly, people have asked me in the past. Um, it is that or like, do you want to win? And if you don't want to win, do you want to influence? And really, those are those are really your only choices. Like you can talk, you can you can do it yourself or you can influence somebody who's doing it. And so why, again, to the point of why are we like, why would you even spend your time dealing with somebody who's calls himself an anarcho-socialist? Well, because you're more interested in the anarchist part than you are with the socialist part. That makes me different than you. And that's okay. But like, you know, I'm not going to pretend like my ideas are invalid just because it's different in that respect. So, you know, and, and again, like it also, this also translates very well into like dating, you know, like when I was, you know, I kind of, I was, you know, growing up, I was, I was more of a pushover. I was, I'm a very nice, you know, I'm an open, I'm high in openness. Right. And I'm high in agree. I'm a generally agreeable person. I like to get along with people. Um, doesn't mean I run away from a fight, but it just means that was my natural state. And so when I was younger and I wasn't, you know, the person I am today, I would let, I would let people walk all over me. And Mm -hmm. so I was that archetypal, like, Oh, you're such a nice guy. And you know, I just, I just think of you like a friend and you're going to make some girl so lucky one day. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate now that I, you know, that, that I've, that I have found somebody uh, somewhat recently, but like, you know, it, 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 it took a long time to get here. And, but which is, which is to say is like, 
I didn't, I didn't say, whoa, why is the world like, whoa, is me? Nobody sees this amazing person that you have to offer. It's like, well, no, I, I trim my beard a little bit. I make, you know, I was always a well-kept person, but I went crazy a few years ago. I used to have really long hair and like super long goatee. It wasn't, it wasn't the most aesthetic look. Let's say that I lost, <laughs> you know, I, I really took a hard look at myself when it came to weight and I lost weight. And you know what? Yeah, I incorporated some elements that uh, some el some other elements into my personality that eventually made me attractive to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like 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 the girl, my girlfriend is like she wasn't really looking to date somebody, but her friends were pushing her to it. So she saw my profile and she was like, oh, well, you know, he seems like a party boy It was like, you know, like because I go out with my friends and we spend a lot of money and we, you know, we, we take crazy pictures doing bottle service and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'd like, but that was, but that was kind of a choice. Cause it was like, well, I gotta have good con I gotta have, I can't just have all the family pictures. I got to show that I can have fun and that these, right. So it's like, instead of, instead of wallowing in self-pity, like I chose to get better. Right. Yeah. Like if, 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 if every girl is saying the same thing, well then how do I, how do I a attract the right person? And what are the steps that I need to do to get there? Right. It's yeah. like, it's, it, it, and again, so too in politics, like if you're not winning elections, well, there's a reason for that. So what is that reason? Is the reason because you're unlikable, because your personality is unlikable, or because your ideas are unlikable? If so, how do you market them? How do you market and sell them in such a way to convince people? Or how do you change the message so that you can still gain power, mm -hmm. but you don't have to, but you don't have to deal with a lot of the baggage? Yeah. Okay. So you really honed in on something that I think is really, really smart. And that a lot of guys don't seem to pick up on when you brought up about doing bottle services, stuff like that. It's basically showing women pre-selection, right? Because you're saying like, Hey, I'm pre-selected by this group of people and I have social proof. You know, I have proof that I've done these things and that I'm a sociable person. And this is kind of why I enjoy talking about relationship stuff so much is because like, in my opinion, this is much, 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 much more important than libertarian theory because like, Oh, entirely. Being, yeah. If you are the most principled libertarian in the world, but nobody wants to be around you, who cares? But like, if you're a charming person to both men and women and people enjoy being around you and want to be around you, that opens up so many doors for you. And then that allows you to build a network and then kind of go from there. But I mean, that social proof kind of stuff is just huge. And people have no idea. People sit there and read a book all the time, but they won't go outside with their friends or, you know, go out to the bar and you don't have to get shit faced or anything like that. But, you know, just go out there and show that you're willing to have fun and be sociable around people you don't even know. Mm hmm. Oh yeah. And like, look, I'm, I, you know, like I, I do like going out with my friends and stuff, but I'm also something of a homebody. So I can understand both sides of that. Right. Like there's, I also, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, cause I've just, um, I just recorded an episode last week. It'll be, I'm going to start releasing it out in chunks coming up here this weekend. So if you're listening to this, make sure you subscribe at binawake.com. But like, you know, I'd kind of like taken, I've, I've taken these hiatuses because over the last three years, my lifestyle has changed a lot. You know, and I am somebody who's on the go and I'm and I'm always kind of traveling. So I don't have that like, oh, this is like a, a regular Tuesday night that I can sit down and I'm always I'm always here. Like, I don't know where I'm going to be. And I'm set up to I mean, I have mobile stuff, but, you know, hotel Wi-Fi is not the greatest. And you know what? It is important to relax, too. I'm not somebody who is always like, go, 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 go. I enjoy my I enjoy my leisure time as much as as much as I can. Um, and that's like necessary to recharge my bullets. This is all to say, like. It's funny how if I look at where I was a few years ago versus now, just in that realm of like, it was those little steps of like, hey, you know what? I am going to go out this weekend. Like when my buddy texts me for the millionth time to go to a bar, I'm, I'm going to go. 
Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm not going to I'm not going to say like, no, it's too much money or save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now it's like, look, you know, show me your friends. I'll show you your future, you know, and and I think there's, um, you know, you're talking about that guy who doesn't like understand it. I think I think in some part it might be temperamental, temperamental, like you could just be very low in agreeableness. Right. And so you're just not somebody who gets along with other people. But that doesn't mean you can't have friends. Right. You just got to you just got to find your people. And you have to learn that even if you are the smartest motherfucker in the room, like showing that to people all the time is not cool. Like pe- like people don't like it pe- like they, they don't. And I, I know this from time and time again that I've experienced it in my own life and in my early 20s with people. It's like, you know, it's like it's like, yeah, yeah we get it, dude. You're smart. Shut up. Like, we're just trying to have a fun conversation right now. Right. And it's like and not quite understanding that because you want to bring it to the direction you want to bring it in. Um but it turns out if you just if you are, like you said, if you are just in general a charming person, right? If you're somebody who has good manners and is a pleasure to be around, doors will open for you that you never thought you, you never really thought might open pr- prior prior to this. And and yeah, and it does take a hard look in the mirror sometimes to realize that, oh yeah, I've kind of been a jerk to people unnecessarily, right? And like, and yeah, I do say no every single time. Some like, it's not that I have no friends. It's that I say no every time they want to hang out, you know, like uh, this thing, this thing goes on and on. And I agree with you, like myself, even as somebody who come, come came from the world of ideas and that was all I was interested in for the longest time. And I'm still largely interested in, I'm far more interested in how that affects and helps people at an interpersonal level these days than I am with just citing theory per se. Now the theory is good because you know if you want to exercise these, if you want to exercise these ideological muscles, and if, frankly, if you want to take the journey that is the exploration of the realm of ideas, you don't get to you don't get to just do it. Like you might think you're just doing it, but really you're just like all these accounts on Twitter that are just kind of like like you can't really meme your way to enlightenment. You can I, I that might be a controversial statement, but. I would, but I feel like I could defend the point. You can't meme your way to enlightenment. You can meme your way to a, maybe a red pill, I suppose, but like, that's not the same thing as enlightenment. And that's not the same thing as really knowing something just because you have an attitude, right? Like we, we operate at the, I, you know, I I've said the, the mistake of the enlightenment is that they bifurcated things and it was instinct and reason. And they, and they tried to separate out those things by and large. That's like this, that's what the age of enlightenment rationalization was, was largely about. Well, they missed an important element, which is faith and faith is believing in something without proof. Just as simple as that. You know, I'm not going to, I don't need to put anything more religious onto it. We're talking, we're having this in a philosophical conversation and really who we are as people and how we express, especially ideas is an interplay between those three elements of instinct, faith, and reason. So it's like, Oh, that chick's hot. Like, that's not a rational statement. Like, it might be objectively true, but like, but that's not a rational statement. That's your instinct, right? Like, yeah. that's you thinking with your limbic system and your re- and your reptile brain. Mm-hmm. And it's and then the also thing of like everybody should be everybody should have a livable wage. Well, that's an article of faith. That's right. not a rat. That's again not a rational statement. 
Mm-hmm. So it's and those and those two things have far more to do with how we think and feel about the world than whatever kind of ration rationalizations that we have, because without those foundations, you don't have the space. You don't have the leisure to expound upon the ideas in a rational way that then, you know, can turn into culture. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Jeez. That, that is deep. One thing that kind of comes to mind, and I think you and I had a little bit of a back and forth on Twitter about this, but like red pill praxeology and the manosphere stuff, where Mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of get bent out of shape about a lot of the stuff. And I think that's largely because Pearl has kind of come along and used it for her own advantage rather than originally what it was. And the way that I interpret red pill praxeology is basically just a set of tools and understanding about, you know, social conditions, nature, evolutionary biology, and psychology that you can use to make your life better and make your relationships a little bit better. That's pretty much it, you know, positive male identity and male sexual strategy. That's basically what it was supposed to be about. And then now, you know, it's white claw power hour and let's, you know, yell at the women for not being, you know, trad virgins or something like that. Like that's not Mm -hmm. it at all. It's just about a set of tools that will help you be a little bit better in your life. And even not just with women, but though just in general, make you a better guy. And I think people get this all mixed up. Well, I think a lot of the people, a lot of the popular promulgators are the people who got it mixed up as well. And I think there's reasons for that. But like, but like you just said, like, it's not even just about getting women. It's also about how you interact with men, i.e. like just just contending with the idea of hierarchy in your everyday life and realizing that there is because because we're trained under the egalitarian delusion to ignore hierarchy wherever we can. And so it's like even just and, and I and I think and it is a more masculine thing than it is a feminine thing. So for guys, it's far more important to recognize this than not. And it's like, it's actually, it actually can bring you a lot of peace Mm -hmm. because it's like, Oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of lower in a hierarchy. Like, you know, in this group of grouping of people, I'm kind of, I'm probably, you know, not the, not the last person, but I'm towards the bottom. It's like, huh? All right. Well, guess what? You can get better. Like, you know, like then you have a couple of choices, right? It's like, well, okay. Is it worth, is it worth being the is it worth being the king of a of a of a trash mountain? You know? Like me personally, like I'm very comfortable with the fact that like of my friend group, I probably earn the least, you know, but I'm friends with guys, you know, I'm friends with guys who have done well financially. And I'd rather be hanging out with them and be the guy that's kind of got to hustle harder to keep up with everyone than to be the guy leading the way, being like, come on, everybody. Uh, Applebee's is on me. No, no. Well, you know what? You Applebee's, know what that but... saying is about. Uh, if if you're in a room and you're the smartest guy in the room, get out of that room. So yeah, right, exactly. And so and like, but but to the but to the general point, it's like okay. So I recognize this about myself, and that probably has part of the reason for my feelings of discomfort, my feelings of depression, my feelings of anxiety. So then I have a couple options. I can accept my place right within a hierarchy and you know this hierarchy by the way this is your family this is your workspace this is your friend group this is everything there's multiple hierarchies that you participate in a simul- at a simultaneous time um within your own you know within your larger extended family you know when everybody gets together and these things are very natural and you don't you don't notice it until you really think about it but you but, but again we've been trained to ignore it and so that's why it's worth contending with and again so and so just and, and to wrap it up then is like okay well then you can either improve your position or be comfortable with the position you have it's like you know what I'm not going to be the best like this other guy. Like I, I can, I got to so way back when I was 14 years old, I joined the marching band. I was so excited to be the drummer for the jazz band that fall or that, that winter when jazz band started. Right. And we went to the first marching band practice and this guy, Peter started playing the drums. Now fast forward 15 years, 
he's got a PhD in music theory, which if you know anything about drummers, that's a, that's that's a lot. To actually have a PhD in music theory is almost impossible for a drummer to do. Um, but like I kind of had that where he just like he got on the drum set and he started playing and I was like, oh, I'm never playing drum set here at this school. But this is a small school. Like it's just not happening. OK, well, so like I, I'm, I have a Cuban background and I always played and like in the church, you know, church choir and stuff going to Catholic school, like I would play the drum like a hand drum sometimes. My grandfather played them when he lived in Cuba. So it's like, okay, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna dive in. I'm gonna like use a comparative advantage here to dive into this thing I love playing anyway. Like I was never the best set player in the world. I was a very good hand drum player. So I spent the next few years getting really good at playing congas and djembe's and different types of hand drums, as opposed to trying to compete with somebody for the top spot that just as a natural ability and also a lot of hard work. He was better. He was just going to be better than me at, you know, he was also more musically inclined. I'm a far more, I'm far more of like a jazz impressionist guy. I don't, I can read music, but not very well. You know, like it's, it's just not anyway to the point is I recognize that at a young age and instead of wallowing in it or complaining that the world was unfair, I just, I pivoted into something that I still enjoyed, you know, and I, and I was able to, and I was able to succeed because of it. And so, and so where does this, how does this relate back to the red pill praxeology? I don't think you're wrong in a certain extent, to a certain extent is clearly. And because there is, there is, there are things to be learned about. And, and like you said, a lot of guys need a positive masculine image. Yes. Right. And, and a positive masculine image that is virile. Right. Mm -hmm. And not, and not, and not subdued and, and, and like embracing some of the, like, for me personally, like I said, kind of being more that art, that nice guy archetype is like I had to embrace some of the more caustic elements of my personality, like my like the abrasiveness, like, no, screw you. Like, you're not taking this from me. This is mine. You don't get like and like and we're kind of growing up. You're kind of taught to like eschew that you're taught that you're not supposed to you're not supposed to act like that. But if you do, but then you notice the people who are successful tend to right. They tend to be a little more on the aggressive side. So you have to so you have to learn from this. Clearly, there are, you know, and there's this when we're talking about red pill, praxeology, praxeological framework or the manosphere, we're kind of like we're talking about these broad swaths of things. What I see is the problem, and I think this is the problem, is that there is this separation. Uh, there's a separation within the space from morality. In part, like you, like you said, like it's a praxeological thing. It's not actually concerned with moral questions. Uh, I'm, I'm you, glad you know that. That's a very well, big I've, distinction. Well, well, I've actually read Mises, so yeah. Um, so, no, know, no, so most I, people so, will always so I actually like, understand yeah. what praxeology means, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so, like, and I understand the idea of a value free is like, but then, but you, but so, so what happens is people pick that up without a moral framework that should be your foundation, and that's when you get, and I even feel bad doing this because she's a young woman. Is like that's where you get people like Pearl. You know, and she kind of becomes this mouthpiece for this very resentful. Um, it's just right wing deconstructionism. That's all it is. Like the right, the right is just having a deconstructive moment over these last few years because they've realized that, you know, they've realized that nothing that they've wanted has actually happened specifically like it more. Let's say more conservatives in this regard. But like that's all that's all she's really doing is like, hey, let's look at these raw statistical data, these raw statistical points, and see how it fits into my preconceived narrative where men shouldn't marry women because women are just going to divorce them and take half their shit. Look, 
I know not a lot of people are big on on Cernovich at the moment, but he had a tweet that went that went semi-viral recently where he's like, you know, 80% of women start divorces because the deadbeat dad is too lazy to do it. There, there's a semblance of truth to that, man. There is, there you know, is. like, and what's important is to, what's important is to look at those things and realize that that doesn't have to be me just because I'm a man doesn't mean I'm part of this. I'm part of this statistic and you know, where there was even where there was value. And we can delineate this by talking about more the MGTOW crowd, because really it's the red pill manosphere MGTOW into this like concoction of just asinine basic bitch sentiments about things. Mm-hmm. Um, is like is like the make oh so this is the solution is we're just not going to procreate. All right, cool. You're you're doing exactly <laughs> you're doing exactly what the Bill Gates of the we'll world. We'll see you want. later. Yeah. Right. It's like and by the way, if you're saying you're not procreating, then you're not. I don't think you're that invested in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't. You know, it's just and it, and two different and two different thoughts there, which is important is there's the there's the belief that I want to procreate, and I understand that not not, not everybody wants to do this. But then there's the simultaneous belief that procreation is good for society. Mm-hmm. And that's really what that's actually what the conversation, I think, has been recently. Uh, you know, for if you're listening to this in the future, like this girl, Pearl, what's the last name? Davis, who's like a comment, a young commentator was going after Matt Walsh, who's from The Daily Wire and is kind of this more stodgy dad, conservative type, very mainstream Republican, as it were, um, you know, and, and like and just basically saying, you know, that well guys shouldn't get married because you know most marriages end in divorce and it's like well you can you can recognize that there are issues with dating and marriage and i'm happy to get into i'm happy to get into the nuance of that with you mm-hmm. but that doesn't change the fact that mar- that that like monogamy is actually good for society right. monogamy is actually an evolved position to po- to to what today we're calling polyamory or polyandry which is a more technical term for it is like no it, it actually works it's actually helpful. It actually stabilizes things both for the men and for the women. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that people don't get left put out to the margins and some people end up in bad mar- marriages. Sorry, I thought we were having a right-wing conversation, not a left-wing conversation where we're only concerned with the people on the margin. And that's the interesting thing for me from what I've seen from a lot of these people is like you have to try and separate out the bombacity, right, that a lot of these people feel the need to say uh, need to have just because they're trying to, you know, they're trying to butter their bread with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then like the actual point underneath it. And yeah, the point underneath it is it, it, the answer still comes out the same. If you want to get married, choose well, invest heavily at the beginning and don't become complacent. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Be, be, you know, like as a guy, yeah, you're going to have to learn how to deal with your emotions a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're a very stoic man, that's not, you know, that's going to work for a little bit. But you're going to have to be able to figure out how to open up because women in the average, in the aggregate are more uh, tend to tend to rely more on their emotions for things, mm-hmm. you know, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with this. It's human. And what I see, and the other thing I'll say, and then I'll let you, and and then I can throw it back to you, but it's like, there's also just the inherent, like, foundational problem, where, like, the manosphere is this reaction to modern feminism, which itself separates something that needs to be together. Mm -hmm. And that's where, like, I would return to, like, a general Christian ethic. You know, I think if you have that, and then you put in the general insights, the biological insights of, like, status and how to attract a mate and how to, you know, how to, uh, you know, how to, uh, you know, or, or not even attract a mate, just attract somebody 
to get them to sleep with you. Like, let's, let's just take the, let's take the niceties out of it. Right. Is like, it, like if you don't have a good foundation for that, that's where you end up with this very mean, like it works on social media, but it just doesn't work in real life. And you know that nobody actually acts like this because if they did, they wouldn't have anybody in their life. So yeah, it's, it's this, and I, and again, I think it's sad because I think for, in the case of Pearl is like, she's singing this song and she's just reinforcing a lot of these guys that are probably below average, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> not trying to be rude, but somebody has to be. Mm-hmm. And so you're, she's allowing them to indulge in pity as opposed mm-hmm. to taking on that Sisyphean task of trying to improve yourself yeah. where you're still going to, you know, where you're going to, that, that boulder's still going to fall and you're going to have to carry it up the next day. Cause like, you know, I might eat clean for two weeks, but then I have that one day where I'm super stressed now, I don't want to admit it, but I'll admit it to you, Kyle. I go to Taco Bell. It, it, it's like, <laughs> no you know, shame here, brother. No you know shame. I mean? But it's, but it's like you know, you can. It's, it's just it because that's that's again, that's that's who we are as humans, and we just have this weird thing called social media where we have this like, we have this massive insight into the human psyche. Like I talk, I've talked a lot about how like there's all these people who just like like look at the libs of TikTok page. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. They're crazy. But think about the fact that somebody has to grab their phone, right? Somebody has to grab their phone, press record on a camera, and this is what they want to say to the world. Yes. Like, like this is what you and me want to say to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Is like a conversation <laughs> like this. But yeah. for some people, it's, we're coming for your children, mm-hmm. and that's going to be okay. Right. Like, and that's, and that's what people that that's that are like, you know, we, it's like, I can't believe that Trump would get elected again. And why is he running? Like some, that's all some people have to say. Right. And so like, but we don't, what we don't have that we had in the past, ironically, because of the gatekeepers, like we don't have the sorting mechanism. Mm-hmm. And that's some, that's something else that I try to, I, I, I try in a, in a very roundabout way to talk about in, in, on, in my show is like, what, what is really important to pay attention to? Like I've joked, if there was an IQ test on Twitter, that you had to pass and that gave you like a rating uh, from that, like 99% of arguments would stop because like somebody would say <laughs> something stupid. You would see that they actually aren't, you know, they actually are kind of stupid and it's like, Oh, okay, well then that's fine. Like stupid people are going to say stupid things. Like I, I, I used to say when I was in school all the time, it was like, there's no such thing as stupid people. There's just stupid. or the, There's no such thing as a stupid question. There's just stupid people. Yeah. And I said, and I like, I, I love, I love that. I can still say that now. Cause I just kind of said it as a joke back then. But it's true. Like, yeah. it, it, like, and it just, and again, that doesn't mean the dumb person can't ask a good question sometimes. It's not, and that's the, I think that's also lost in like the hyper rationalist online personality type is like, yeah, it's, it's the symphony. It's not a solo, it's a symphony. That's, that's the division of labor of Mises is everybody actually does have a place. And that's actually a really cool thing. And we live in this time, going back to the, going back to the manosphere feminism thing, we live in this time we live in this time where we're trying to separate everything out into the constituent parts and we've lost sight of what the organism as a whole is like I've, I've in one of my more esoteric things that I've said is like theirs was an age of fission, right? Like quite literally, right? Like the the nuclear bomb is an age of fission. Mm -hmm. Ours, ours needs to be an age of age of fusion. And as like this generational turn is occurring, it's, it's, you see, it's not the person with like a super specialized, knowledge base that can only talk about one thing really really well that's popular no it's joe rogan who will literally talk with anybody about anything 
and that's the most popular podcast in the world. And that's, you know, like long form, long form podcasts in general kind of have that capacity too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So look, kind of go back to the whole Pearl deal when it comes to like the guys that listen to her. I think you said something that's dead on accurate there. And it's that the guys who are less than average, this kind of, she confirms their belief because you have a woman who's really not that attractive, but she'll do right. And she's telling you everything you want to hear. And that's why she blew up overnight, right? Nobody knew who she was, let's say even six months ago, but now she's all over everybody's feed because she found a way to tell guys what they wanted to hear because guys are struggling out there today because women are exposed to a global sexual marketplace where they mm -hmm. have the perception, right? Perception is a key word here that they have more options than they actually do. So they haven't, you know, and they've also been told their entire lives that, oh, you're a great girl. You know, you could do anything. You could do anything a man can do. When the fact is like, okay, well, some women are, you know, not quite as capable as others. Can so they've inflated. Yeah, good. Just really quick, because this is an important thing is a lot of them have also discovered that they can have some degree of financial independence. Yes. Right. Yes. And so which what which which just increases the level of competition. But, but exactly. continue. Yeah. Yeah. So basically women have this inflated self of self or sense of self-worth. And then also, you know, they have all these social conventions that back them up. So then, you know, guys struggle and I get it, but like, okay, well now your thing should be like, Hey, I understand you're struggling, but you can overcome the struggle. If you really fucking try, I had to figure that out <laughs> when I was 250 pounds and I was beginning to have problems with women. And, you know, I, I realized that like, I was not in a good place mentally. I'm like, okay, well, what can I do to fucking fix what the fuck's going on right now? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, now come, you know, six, seven years later, I'm married. I have a you know wonderful wife and we're going to have a great life together or mm -hmm. continue to have a great life together. Um, it should be a matter of like, hey, if you want to, you could do whatever the fuck you want to do as a guy. Right. You should be able to lift yourself up with, you know, looks, money and affluence to become somebody that's influential and that a woman would want to be in your life. But the idea that like you're just going to say, oh, no, fuck it. You know, I don't want to engage with women or, you know, yeah, get them, you know, fuck the White Claw Power Hour and let's just shame the women for being women. Like, that's lame. We're complimentary mm -hmm. and we should continue that way. Right. And if we weren't complimentary, the species wouldn't have survived. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, it, for whatever else you might think of evolution, evolutionary theory has has a great deal of explanatory power in that regard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can put this in a religious frame. I can put this in, you know, it like. You know, you, you don't even have to put it in a Christian frame. You could talk about the Greeks who said that humans were at one, you know, one of the Greek myths were that we were this four-armed, four four-legged, two-headed creature that the gods split apart. And that's why we're always searching for our other half. Like, again, these ideas are freaking ancient, man. Mm -hmm. To pretend that we are so, to pretend that we're so enlightened today is just foolish to anybody who's, <laughs> who's really looked hard at the situation. And I think what's, um, I think again, what's what's the, the the important point to make is that the future is not going to be kind to the below average. It's just right. not right. Like that's and that's part of that was part of the don't be poor message too. Is like you don't have a choice. Like you, you, yes. you or, I mean, like or rather, you always have a choice. But like if you want this thing we call liberty, if you want to, like you don't have a choice. You're gonna have to hustle and you're gonna have to work harder than most people. Turns out, by the way, it's actually not that difficult to do. Um, but like, you know, it's actually not that difficult to work harder than most people. Um, but it's like, you have to accept where you are and you have to figure out how you can get better. And to, to the extent that you can get better, like I'll never be six foot, just, just isn't going to happen. Like I'm not going to pay for one of those surgeries. That's going to put three inches in and I have to spend six months laid up. 
it's just it just not what happened. I drank too much coffee as a kid, and I ended up <laughs> at a at a at a nice respectable five nine. Um, but like you know, and that's okay. Like it, it like yeah. Have I seen how my friends who are six five and like you know ath- former athletes like have I seen how what it's like for them to pick up girls? Yeah, and it kind of <laughs> and it again, but it but that tells me something about human nature. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not I don't I don't get upset at them. Mm-hmm. I don't even get upset at the women. I'm like, oh, honey, you didn't even have a choice, did you? Like you didn't you didn't even, <laughs> you didn't even realize what was happening, did you? Yeah. Like it just it just doesn't. It's a it's a great story, but it's like it's kind of like, you know, one of the guys is like one of the guys is just like, oh, no, it's like, oh, should we go like talk to some girls or whatever? And she's like, no, man, you just stand here and they come to you. It's like, no, nah, man, that, that's not how it works. That's not how it works for me. Like, I don't get to just stand here and like, I'm not an unattractive person, but I don't get to just stand here and the women are going to come crawling or are going to come walking over. It's like, I, listen, I know how to dance. Like I can, I have my own, I have my own ways, but like, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not my play. That's not what I get to do. Well, guess what, dude, you don't get to be six foot. So what are you going to do to compensate that? Exactly. What's, you know, are you going to learn to play guitar, learn to play Wonderwall? Are you going to do that? Women like, you know, like, are you going to learn to be, you know, a musician? Are you going to learn to dance? Are you going to learn? Are you going to work in finance and make a ton of money to where you have a BMW? So it just sends a simple signal. Are you going to have an iPhone? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm, I'm not even, ex- I'm, I'm exaggerating only slightly. But my, when I got an iPhone, I, I started doing better with women. <laughs> it's the, there's only two in American society. There are only two uh, legitimate forms of discrimination left. Mm-hmm. white men and android users that's 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 where we're at yeah and so george. like I, and i i was somebody who, i had an android for i swear to god man i had an android f- since the beginning i loved my android phones and now i've got the airpods and the and the freaking yeah. apple watch and like i'm fully I've got, branded I, yeah and like and part of it's because I, I do like the product like you know for, especially for me in sales like business business wise it actually isn't. It was an improvement to using an Android all the time, um, just for being accessible and communicative. But then, like in dating, it was true. Like I had a friend. He's like, "Man, I don't think I ever would have gotten laid without an iPhone." And like it was one of those things that it took me back. I'm like, "Has this been holding me back?" So I asked. I have a, I have a younger sister, and I'm like, "Hey, he mentioned this. What do you think about it?" She's like, oh, "That's awful. I can't believe he would say something like that." <laughs> Her but, boyfriend has uh, an iPhone. But when a guy sends that green bubble, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to text him back. So it's like it's just again, status. These are like basic ideas that you have to contend with. That to you to your point, in the red pill, which is this broad nebulous term, or like the manosphere, they will talk about these things yeah. and they will give some guys an insight to it. Um wh- again, where I think where I think the plot gets lost is just this rejection of uh, this rejection of a moral order altogether. Mm. And um, frankly, one of the best examples for this is that guy who wrote the book. I can't remember his name, but I hope they serve beer in hell. Oh, like, uh, Roosh. Yeah. We're like, he was all, he was all in on the pickup artist thing and like, just, you know, have sex with random girls, like live the life. And like, well, it turns out that actually gets pretty lonely after a while, especially as you move into your thirties. And now he's got a beautiful family. Yeah. You know, and like, I don't know what's like actually going to happen with his marriage, but it's but it's it's nice to see that people can still make that arc. And what's sad is the way I what I what I hope isn't happening and I don't know. But what I hope isn't happening is that in the in the broader right wing conservative sphere that you're losing this, that the, that you're losing this basic adherence to a monogamous ordering of society. 
because again, without that, we're going to devolve. Like that's actually part of the decadence and decay is not, is not holding up the primacy of monogamy. Not to say there aren't bad marriages, not to say that some of them aren't going to end in divorce. Again, for the below average, things are going to not to say that you can still do everything right and not through any fault of your own that you wouldn't make a mistake, mm-hmm. especially if you're young, right? Like I think it's a little bit different if you're in your thirties and you get into a bad relationship, like you should know better. But if you're young and you kind of, and you, you didn't do a good job of growing with another person, like I would use this metaphor on when I was dating more. And it was like, you know, the problem with modern dating, the problem with dating as you get older and like you move through your twenties is like, you know, if you start when you're young, you have the opportunity like a tree to kind of grow together. Right. You know, cause you can have trees that like have their own separate root system, but they'll kind of like intertwine with each other. And it's like, what the problem is, is like, you're this fully formed tree. You're this fully formed object. Now, as you move into your late twenties and you're trying to like figure out if this person over here is like, is actually going to be someone you can interface with as to mix metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I kind of liked about more of the guys I listen to a lot, like Rolo, um, Ryan Stone and uh, Glenn Lawrence, a few of the other guys and, and the end of the sphere that I kind of look up to the most is that, um, you know, Rolo specifically wrote a book about um, on kind of pivoting over from, you know, let's say spinning plates, which is dating all exclusively, which we all do it. You know, we see a couple girls and that's not saying you should go sleep with every single one, but, you know, you kind of just date around and then see what you like, what you don't like. And then eventually you move on to like a monogamous relationship and then, you know, kind of make your life from there. I think that's a perfectly reasonable framework. And then Ryan more focuses on like the uh, long-term relationship kind of stuff. And then trying to like, you know, let's say if you have a dead bedroom, then, okay, well, what can you do to kind of reinvigorate things? Not like specifically sexually, but like, Hey, you know, what are behaviors that you can learn or things that you can learn behaviors or whatever outside of that, that will make you more attractive or, you know, spark things up again. So like when I kind of think of all this stuff, I always think of it as just, like I said, a set of tools. And then when it comes to religion, um, I'm not religious per se, I'm agnostic, but like, I think that living by a Christian ethic is probably the way to go. And this kind of been a question that I've pondered quite a bit. Um, could you say as an agnostic person, I kind of subscribe to it that like, okay, well, Christian ethic is the best way to live, even if you don't believe in God, because those values seem to have prospered, you know, society and civilization. Yeah. I mean, I think you can, I mean, I, I was uh, raised in the Catholic church, um, have become a little more religious over the last couple of years, uh, which I think is natural. Like, you know, kind of like hitting the end of your twenties and the beginning of your thirties, you start to think, right. Like there's, there's some of, again, there's a time for all these things. I remember because I've, I've studied religion, comparative religion and stuff. And like, I think it's in, um, in, in Hinduism, um, which isn't actually called Hinduism, but we call it that today. Like, you know, Hinduism only came about as like a way to classify the Muslims from the non-Muslims in Mm -hmm. India. Like it was, it's Santana Dharma, it's followers of the way. It's interesting how these things work out. But anyway, is like, but like part of what the teaching, or at least in some areas that I recall was like, in your young years, you're supposed to have your family, you're supposed to work on your career. And then once you have a couple of kids, that's kind of when you go in for the enlightenment and like, you, you try to learn as much as you can. And then after that is when you teach. With it, again, in, in kind of in kind of some broad strokes, and there's this, and like in our modern day, we turn that on the head, right? We have people like Greta Thunberg that's that are supposed to be like the moralizers of our age, like they're prophets, mm-hmm. you know, as as it were. Um, I, and I've and I went through a very agnostic period, right? Like I come from a philosophically skeptical background, so that would include questioning the existence of God, of course. 
Uh, what's changed for me, what's, what's changed for me is like, not, I'm not as interested in finding a middle ground with like atheists and like, and like new militant <laughs> atheists. Like yes. one of my best, one of my best friends in the world is atheist, mm-hmm. but he is the, one of the only atheists I've ever met. And I've told, and I've said this to him is he's one of the only atheists I've ever met. That's actually concerned with the existence of God. He's, but he's in like, maybe this is just projecting or curiosity on my part, but like, I would assume that he's probably intellectually honest. Like when yeah. you meet a lot of these militant atheists, they will take the most disingenuous interpretation of a Bible and say like, Hey, this is exactly what they meant rather than just say like, Oh, well, these are themes that probably happened back then that people can learn from and that you're supposed to kind of take and then live your life by because, you know, they provided examples of certain situations and how you can kind of, you know, interact with them yeah and i and like so again to the point is like him and i will we don't we don't talk about it a lot but it'll eventually come up and we have so many other things to talk about that it doesn't matter because we both have a value for conversation and so like but i think that's to the extent that i'm trying to influence and like move a conversation in a certain direction it's it's more towards your position the question isn't i'm not asking you to be like like, i'm not the best catholic in the world like Mm -hmm. not at all you know like i'm really not uh but i recognize that that's better for society so too, I might, you know, if you know, we were having this conversation a few months ago, it's like, I don't know if I'll ever meet the right person, but I know marriage is good for society. Right. And, and that's again, what's like, what I'm seeing, what, what I'm seeing, I think, you know, the, like the pearls and some of the other people in this space and, and that I see online and like also, also like the, the douchey guy who can't back it up. Right. And these are the guys that are like, my woman has to be submissive to me. It's like, all right, cool. So then you're never going to date a Latina and like, screw it. Like, great. Like, you don't deserve, <laughs> frankly, you don't deserve one. Like, you don't deserve yeah. a Latin woman. Like, uh, this whole, like, you know, like, I, I'm not, I'm not waspy, right? I'm not a wasp. I'm not this, I'm not, I'm not part of that world. I don't understand what that is because I've never seen it myself, you know, in, in many regards. Is like, you know, I've, I've always, I always like the, the, from the, and again, here, right. Perfect example of like speaking in popular ways. So people are going to understand is like, I'm going to quote the big fat Greek wedding where it's like, yeah, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. She's what turns it. I think that's a beautiful metaphor metaphor. And it talks to the whole organism in and of itself operating in its proper form. So like these guys, you know, these guys that are like, oh yeah, my chick has to be subservient to me. It's like, cool dude i'm not into sadomasochism so like you do you like you know i don't want to hear about your kink i don't give a shit about it anymore um and, and like but that and that kind of goes along with the atheist argument is like i'm not really i i can completely understand why people question the existence of god question the efficacy of religion certainly certain you know like you know certainly the religions of today where they are now but you know question like the good religion has in the world but to deny but to think that atheism brings some new enlightenment is 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 your only the only reason why you think that is because you've been taught a certain worldview of history that lends it to that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because really the 20th century is a century of atheism. Mm-hmm. Like it, really the you know the, the communists. Let's just keep right. it simple. Let's just keep it simple for the purposes of this conversation. The communists themselves we're an eight, we're an, you know, oh, it's not communism. There was a cult of personality. Yes, because there's a human nature, right? And we don't just, we're not just these instinctual or these rational beings. We also have this elements of faith. And this elements of faith is how we were able to build civilization. Because if you can't, like, look at the cathedrals of Europe. If you can't believe that something like this is going to be finished in 200 years, why would you start now? Mm-hmm. 
Right. And we're in, we live in this world. We live in an age, like going back to this men, women conversation. We live in an age where it's like, well, in 10 years, she might not love me if I don't pay attention to her and service her needs on a, re- you know, and, and it be in tune to her emotional needs. And so I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna try. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? If, if my, if my parents had had that thought, I wouldn't exist. So I prefer to exist than not exist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and that's where it's like, that, that's like the, one of those things where it's like, do I ignore this person? Do I comment on this? Because it's like, there's an element where the person should be ignored, but because someone like Pearl has gotten such notoriety, and gosh, we've been talking about her for way too long, and you know, but it's <laughs> but she's a useful foil. Is like mm-hmm. the like that as a as a bellwether. It's like, well, yeah, guys, feminism is bad. Yes, we already knew feminism was bad. Mm-hmm. The answer to that isn't male feminism, right? <laughs> like like men don't get to have your day. No, mm-hmm. if you think men get to have our day in the sunshine. You don't understand history. You're you're not of the right, and you don't understand masculine nature. And you don't understand you don't understand what true masculine virtue is, exactly. because some of that is suffering, and yes. it's some of that is suffering in silence and real and and taking pride in that. Yes, it doesn't mean you doesn't mean you don't feel. It mm-hmm. means you understand that you have to be strong sometimes for other people. And I, I, I've I've always that's that's always been something that's spoken to me. It's something that I've, you know, I, I'll, I'll say it like earlier today, we put down one of my childhood dogs, mm-hmm. like, and it was really sad, you know, but, and, and yeah, I got a little teary eyed, but I try in those situations, especially when it comes to death, I try to be strong because right. it helps me and it helps the people around me. Absolutely. And I don't need a pat on the back for that. You know, there's no like I don't need I don't need a sticker. I don't need a star. Like you don't need the participation trophy. I don't need it. I don't need a trophy <laughs> for it. That's just I think that's just part of of of, of a masculine virtue mm-hmm. that yeah, I think a lot of I think a lot of guys lost, like kind of generationally got lost. But, you know, you can put it at the feet of feminism, you can put it at the feet of all these different things, fine. But like that doesn't change that a life well lived is the best antidote. It's like we don't get it's like you're not gonna have your um actually. Men have it tough too. It's like, yes, we do. Always have. <laughs> always will. Life is suffering. Yep. Go to church. Be better. Like carry your cross. Like it's all there for you. The answers were already there laid out. You've just chosen to try and find the securitous, circuitous route back to the same starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, I would love to keep talking all night. I got another show here in like 12 minutes. We will have to do this again. And the other show, I think you would actually make a really, really Really, really good compliment to us uh, some other time. Uh, go ahead, give your plugs, dude, and we'll all rock and roll out of here. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, like I alluded to before, I've got a lot of content in the chamber that I'm going to be releasing over the next few weeks. So do me a favor, go to binawake.com, subscribe with your email address. It's it's based on Substack. You can also, you can, you know, you can become part of the Binawake Elite by by becoming a paid subscriber there. Uh, if you want to go on Patreon and locals, I'll have paid options there with with some lesser features. And you can find me on all social media at the LB Muniz. Awesome, man. I really appreciate this conversation. I appreciate your time. Like I said, we'll definitely have to do it again. If you're anything else, we'll close her out. Thanks, Kyle. Of course. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.